Thanks for tuning in to Medical Experts in Football. I'm Taiwo, and today's story is bigger than soccer medicine itself. I feel like anybody that knows me and knows that I worked with the Afghan women's national team, it just makes sense. It, it just became more than an experience about soccer, but just an experience about humanity. And that's Joelle Murrow. So you were born in El Paso, but spent most of your childhood in Dallas. What's one of your greatest childhood memories? I feel very fortunate that the people that I grew up with just happened to be very great people. And then they were seemed to be raised by some pretty great people. I love the way I grew up. Um, one thing I would have to say that probably it's not like an exact memory, but it's something that has led me to, to exactly where I am today is that no one ever told me I couldn't do what I wanted to do. You know, the fact that I always had a support system that said, oh, if that, go for what you want, you know. And that's something that really drove me into uh, wanting to work more in the, on the like a philanthropy side. No one ever batted an eyelash that I played soccer. Really, the reason why I, I got into soccer was I was three years old. We moved to Dallas when I was like three or four. And my sister's boyfriend, who came from El Paso too, at the time, my, my siblings are about, my oldest siblings are about 14 and 13 years older than me. So when I was three or four, they were like 17 and 18. <clears throat> and her boyfriend was coaching a soccer team and he just asked, hey, do you want to come play soccer? And I said, sure. And that's really what started me with soccer. And he was the coach of an all boys soccer team. So like a lot of people my age and older, we grew up on our first soccer teams being the only girl on all boys soccer team, you know? Mm -hmm. But at that same note, I was never told I was any different. I was never questioned. And that's not the norm for a lot of the world. What position did you play and what was your strength? So I grew up pretty much all my life playing uh, outside right back. And I think I've just always been a very good defender. I've been always good at really reading people. And now that I'm saying that, that actually correlates with a lot of what I do now. I've always been really good at um, realizing people's like tendencies mm -hmm. and their movement patterns. And so that always just made me for a pretty good, a really good defender. And also I've, I really enjoyed even, even still in my life, I love playing against guys because I love like being fearless with that. And mm -hmm. so on the side of kind of being able to read someone's tendencies, you said how you like to learn what makes people tick. Yeah. But what pushes Joel's buttons? Too much. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. <laughs> it's something I'm currently working on. <laughs> <laughs> but we're in the middle of preseason, so I feel like everyone's a little on edge. So yes, everyone and everything. One thing that I work very hard at is trying to always meet people in the middle. I, I try to realize that despite how right I think I am, I have accountability in whatever kind of issues or concerns might be might be the, the you know, at the current, the current climate, whatever. But when I feel like I'm not being met in the middle, that really pushes my buttons. Cause I try to, I try to work really hard to just try to listen to others and, and try to understand, okay, where's this person coming from? But when I'm completely disregarded, that's what pushes my buttons. Okay. That's, that's probably okay. some further deep 
deep things that I need to reflect on and work continue on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's jump right into physical therapy. So what inspired you to become a physical therapist? I was in a tournament in Colorado <clears throat> and I was sitting there on the sideline getting my ankle taped. I was a junior in high school. I believe it was Colorado Rush at the time. <laughs> and this woman was taping my ankle because she was there with the tournament. And I was looking at her and I thought, huh, this is kind of cool. She's like on the soccer field. She's in the, you know, outdoors. She, this seems like she likes this. And I asked her, what, who are you? Like, what, what are you? What's your title? And mm -hmm. uh, she said, oh, I'm an athletic trainer. I thought, oh, this is really cool. I started from there, junior year of high school, looking further into it. And then through diving into athletic training, I found physical therapy. And just for certain reasons, physical therapy just spoke more to me. Um, but I always knew starting from that day that no matter what I did, I wanted to make soccer the focus of my career. So you said you looked at athletic training, but physical therapy spoke to you. Like, mm -hmm. what did you see in that profession? I'm, I look at things and think, okay, that's cool. But how can I make it a little bit more of my own? I loved the, you know, the immediate care from athletic training. But I also really liked the aspect of being in a clinic at the time and for sure going more into deeper, like an environment that allowed me to also go into more um, like research-based act, uh, activities and mm -hmm. opportunities and things like that. At the time, like I felt, I know physical therapy is very clinic-based, but I'm going to make it my own and I'm going to make it somehow where I can specialize in soccer. That's just what I'm going to do. There's no question in my mind. What do you like most about your job today? Gosh, that I get to do what I love. My PT school, the PT residency, you know, through my career, I've always felt extremely fortunate to say that I love what I do. It is not easy and it yeah. is super stressful. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you want to, you know, pull your hair out, but <laughs> deep down, I, I mean, I, I'm, I love what I do, especially now <clears throat> I got to a point where I came from, where I felt like I needed to make a change to continue to grow for mm -hmm. my own personal and professional well-being, And I knew that that next step I didn't want to be solely clinic based anymore with one soul team. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about your residency experience a little later, but uh, your, your time being in an outpatient clinic, what did you dislike most about that setting? Anything that everybody does, the paperwork. Okay. Yeah, I agree. The worst. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. Uh, so before uh, we talk about your involvement with women's soccer, I have to get this burning question out of the way. Forgive me, Absolutely. but I saw that you went to an all-girls school. Absolutely. And is it true that you barely showered? I mean, yeah. I grew up being a tomboy <laughs> and yeah. I still showered. So yeah, yeah. what was that feeling like? And uh, did you feel like superwoman or what? Absolutely. So, so yes, we joke about that all the time. Like me and my friend. So, so going to an all-girls school, lots of people think, oh gosh, that sounds terrible, but no, it was amazing because all you care about is school mm -hmm. or your sport or whatever it is you're involved in, your friends, whatever. And there's really not a lot of social pressures. 
I mean, we had soccer at like 6.30 a.m. and then we had to be in class. I'm not sure, let's say like eight or something. So you really had like five minutes to after soccer to then get to class. And so what, what was the point of showering? Nice. I to shower. So, and then most of us had soccer after school too, you know? So mm-hmm. like you go the whole day and then yes, of course I showered at night, but like okay. point being... <laughs> You just, I just it was didn't. the least of your worries. It's not yeah, something it, that exactly. You're, that's it was awesome. My worries. You wore a uniform. You put some baby powder in the hair, and you call there it. There you day. go. All right. So you've had a wide array of experiences working in the soccer setting, but your interest is in women's soccer. What do you find most rewarding working with that population? Seeing girls be badasses. Yeah, for, on all levels. You know, from the top of the top to the people that have zero resources. I just love people doing cool things. And I love, especially when, yeah, it's not expected and Mm -hmm. people, I guess, shatter that glass, you know, Yeah, as all of us do, but yeah. um, yeah. And you're doing pretty cool things. And I can't wait to get to hear about your experience in Afghanistan. But before that, uh, you're the physical therapist for Sky Blue FC, Mm -hmm. a team in the National Women's Soccer League for those listening that have no idea. As preseason training is underway, take me through what your typical day is like. Everything's a bit more of a challenge with COVID, right? So we train at Red Bull facility. And so we have to be very diligent and structured in our schedule because we share the facility with the first team, the USL and the academy. We're very fortunate that there's multiple buildings, so it's not too much of a challenge for us. Um, but everything has to be very structured. And especially being in New Jersey, um, living you know, a couple of miles from one of the first, uh, like centers of the pandemic of New Jersey. Right now we train in the morning. So I get there, I don't know, a bunch of hours before everybody else, uh, before the, t- the players get there, staff gets there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all get there plenty of hours ahead of time. And I, if sometimes I will help out another staff member with something that they're, they've got going on. But um, most of the time, it's just making sure that all of the all the stuff is is ready and prepared. So, and and for me, I I see myself no higher or lower than you know my other colleagues on on staff. So, um, I fill up water bottles. I'll make sure stuff's clean. I'll um, make sure the protein mm-hmm. is ready for players, and then uh, once and then whatever else any other staff member needs, just we all help each other out. That's I think that one of the most that's one of the best parts about the staff that I work with is that it's a true team effort. And so after, you know, the, whatever nitty gritties are needed in the morning, then I wait for my athletes to start arriving. So we have them scheduled in time slots for treatment sessions, pre-training. And so go through that. Once all treatments are done, then all the athletes are out in the field. Uh, They do their pre-activation, whatever's necessary for them, whatever um, kind of lift they might have scheduled. Mm-hmm. And then we have training. And then depending on what athletes need, I'll either spend most of training with um, whatever athlete I need to spend my time with during training. And then once training is finished, they'll either have, again, either some sort of lift or some sort of activity like that. And then we have uh, slots again for any post-training treatments. So then again, we have a schedule for players that sign up and then we we go see those treatments. And then Mm -hmm. after that, everyone's gone and clean up and do whatever I have to get done, go home 
And then the next day starts. (laughs) That sounds like a long day. So what time do you make it home? Believe it or not, I'm actually usually home around like 3.30 or some sort, something like that. It sounds like a very long day, which in actuality, it probably would be much longer. But again, we have a pretty structured window of time for Mm -hmm. the facility usage. So we try our hardest to stick to that. And yes, a lot gets done in that very small window of time. Not very small, but you know, I -hmm. would expect all of that to take place in a longer day. Mm -hmm. Um, But we, we work pretty efficiently and it's kind of become second nature now. So and so is this your full-time job? Because I know some therapists, they'll work for a sporting team, but then they work in an outpatient clinic. Is this all full-time for you? This yes. is it? Oh, awesome. Yep. That's and that, that was my, that was my goal. When I left where I came from, I, I was, I had a very great life where I came from and no discredit by any means to where the facility that I came from and the system that I came from. But like I said, I I wanted to make, I knew that next step for me was to be more team-based, less clinic-based, still clinical, you know, working on my clinical skill sets and Mm -hmm. being involved in research however I could, which I'm, again, I'm very fortunate that my colleagues from where I came from are heavily involved in research and let me still chime in and, you know, pick their brains and that sort of thing. But I knew I wanted to solely work for a team. And from a medical standpoint, what do you think about the medical um, about the medical resources provided for the NWSL players? I can't really speak to other teams because I'm I don't I don't know their inner workings of their medical medical staff and medical team. Um, I know for me personally, my goal is to always provide the best best support and the greatest value possible. So personally, I will work my butt off to make sure that they get the best resources and the best access to whatever they need, whether that be a specialist or not. So you do think that you guys have the access for the resources that you need at any given time? In order to get access to stuff, you're going to have to probably go see a specialist somewhere, but for what is necessary on the day-to-day basis, yes, I think we have what we need. Let's just jump right into the national team experience with Afghanistan. So when I say Afghanistan, what word comes to mind? Unbreakable. That comes from the team that I worked with. Uh, It comes from a bit of a slogan that we, we had uh, together Unbreakable. My experience with them, it's, it's true those women are unbreakable. Can you kind of just tell me a little bit about the team spirit? What Mm -hmm. was it like? One of the most enlightening experiences I've ever had working with not only athletes, colleagues, but just like people, Mm -hmm. people that come, people that have lived lives that I have never lived. And I don't think I'll ever live Mm -hmm. supporting, supporting others, just supporting others that didn't have what I was fortunate to grow up with. And again, just kind of like me just doing what I can to be a a positive support and guidance, however I could, not Uh just medically being a woman that came from an environment that I was never told no, um, because I was a girl and just showing them, Hey, like you can do this too, you know? Yeah. And it was 
2016, that was really a monumental time for this team because they were getting a little bit more support. Um, you became the physical therapist for their team, but mm -hmm. why did you feel the need to go there in the first place? Mm -hmm. I'm known to just kind of do my own thing. Always been very comfortable in any kind of setting, but I've always loved to test the boundaries a little bit and go off on my own and not afraid to go off on my own, given I've probably given my mom plenty of heart attacks. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'll give an example, another example of what I'm talking about. I, I was very fortunate to, when I was looking to work with an NWSL team, there was no PTs, there was no PTs directly, um, solely directed for the women's teams in the league yet. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate that a couple teams created the position for me and two of my best friends from college texted me saying, Hey, let's set a date for a weekend trip. And I responded back. I don't know. I might be moving to this city or this city next week. <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't even question it. One of them said, city A. The other one said, city B. And like, no questions asked. You know oh what I mean? Like, zero. And I even texted them back and said, I love that. None, like neither of y'all even questioned that. You just told me which city you thought I should live in. Oh, that's but incredible. That, yeah. That's just very much me. That staff that I worked with, with Afghanistan. I mean, they're pretty, they're very much the same. Uh, Haley Carter, the goalkeeper coach and assistant coach. I remember I was talking to her one time when I, when I say we had not much, like we really had not much, I would be driving down to Houston to meet up with Haley and then Kalita Pokal, who is the Afghan director, who's the only um, non-American on the staff. She's from Afghanistan. And so we were down in Houston trying to raise money for the team. I had never really heard Kalita's true story. She told me her story and it was, it just blew my mind. And I thought, oh my gosh, like. What about her story? Maybe, I know she probably has had a lot of experience, but what about her story really hit home for you? That she stood up for what she believed despite her life literally being at stake for it. So standing up for the rights of women and the atrocities being done to not just women, but people in her country. And she didn't care. Yeah. And she stood up for it and she's still standing up for it. Okay. You know? This is, this is kind of scary, but mm -hmm. B, I need to do this. And then I talked to Haley later on in the day. And I was like, Haley, have you ever thought that, you know, we're going to attract a lot of attention being an all American staff working for the Afghan women's national team and mm -hmm. primarily traveling in Asia and, and that sort of thing. Like, what could you think like safety is ever an issue? And she just, yeah, like, I was curious too. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's safety a concern for you? It was when we finally started traveling because we, our first camp was actually in the Bay area. Um, there's there's a, an Afghan community in the Bay Area that's just phenomenal, and I'm still good friends with even some of the the men that I met in that community, and, and that and, and it was really speaking with them that I truly learned the story of uh, their families, whom a lot of them were e a either refugees themselves or their parents were refugees from Afghanistan. So a lot mm -hmm. of first and second, you know, direct um, storytelling there, and yeah, I just I learned a lot and great people so when I was in Houston asking asked her that you know is there a, do you ever get concerned about our safety well Haley 
played soccer, I believe, at the Naval Academy and then did tours in Afghanistan as a Marine. So she just looked at me and said, yeah, of course. I've been, I'm pretty sure I'm on some lists that my life is threatened, but if I'm going to go down for the greater good of others, it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there thinking, all right, all right. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's go. Yeah, like I, I, I agree, you know, if I'm going to, if, if I'm trying, if I'm trying to make it better, a better world for other people, I, I can, I can, I can dig that, you know? So what did you tell your family? Oh my gosh. My mom was like praying the rosary and, <laughs> you know, anytime I left to go overseas, she's probably crying and scared, Yeah, <laughs> but that's my mom. Like she, she, yeah, that's my mom. Like, you know, so, so what did you tell her before you left? What were your last words you told her before probably, you left to Afghanistan? Probably the same thing. Well, so funny thing is, is that I've actually never been to Afghanistan. We always met up in other Asian countries. Oh, um, and part of that was more for safety reasons from, for us as a staff, I believe. Mm-hmm. I also just kind of do what I'm told. So some, I, you know, don't really ask a ton of questions too much, but one of the last things anytime I went over to Asia that I would say to my mom is probably the same thing I even say when I leave Dallas. Mom, stop crying. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you said you enjoyed traveling, but I'm curious, how did you even learn about the opportunity and what was the process like even getting on board to be a part of such an incredible uh, team? fortunate to be in the right place at the right time um one of my best friends and just you know closest people in my life her name's monica alvarado she currently plays in the mexican league the mexican women's league but at the time she was with the houston dad and so i'd go down and hang out with her and she was living with haley i got i mean yeah i got to know haley and over time haley started talking about the afghan team that she wanted to get involved with and just being around her i just started saying like hey like that sounds really cool. You should maybe think of doing this for sports medicine or this or that, you know, just started offering up ideas. And then finally one day Haley looked at me and said, Hey, do you want to be on staff? And I said, absolutely. Yeah. Being a part of something that's bigger than myself. Yeah. I imagine you still had a job in the States. What Mm -hmm. was that like balancing that out and then going um, overseas for the camp? So after PT school, I did the sports residency with Ben Hogan sports medicine, which is now Texas health resources. They hired me and I, that was the only, besides Sky Blue, that's the only place I've ever worked. And the thing about Ben Hogan is that it's a part of a hospital system. So because it's a part of a, ho- it, it has the feel and look of a private practice, but it's owned by a hospital system, much, much like other um, big name, you know, sports medicine places around the country. And because we were part of a hospital system, we got great benefits and great PTO. Um, by the time I left, I was, I was getting a lot of hours of PTO. So mm-hmm. not only that you, it carried over, over time, my PTO just kept carrying over and carrying over and carrying over. Really. I just had a ton of PTO and there was really nothing they could say <laughs> because, okay. but again, that's very much me. So given Uh that you had the PTO, how long were the camps typically? And like, just, I guess, take me through what a camp week looked like, or was it even a week that you met with the team? What Mm -hmm. was it like? 
Yeah, so it was going to be anywhere between like 10 to 14 days-ish. It just depended because most of the time uh, we were all traveling a very far distance to to somewhere in Asia, you know, or somewhere in the U.S. Um, so really, especially, and especially working with a team like the Afghan Women's National Team, we had a wide um, spectrum of players and player experience. We typically would take any camp, we typically would take like half, half from Afghanistan and then really the rest from the rest of the world. So we had a group of individuals from Europe, we had a group of in, a few individuals from Canada, and then we had a few from the US. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing that I've always said that girls growing up playing sports in the US um, are very different from typically the rest of the world. Now I don't know. I, I think the rest of the world's catching up now, but historically any girl that grows up playing sports in the US, I would I would say they're typically a little farther along than someone for the same age demographic uh, elsewhere around the world. Like for example, we had um, Halai Argandawal who played soccer at Santa Clara and then went on to play in Europe. She was on the Afghan women's national team, you know? And then we had a girl who literally snuck out of her house, had her um, like sister or someone lie to her grandma just so she could jump on a plane and come meet us. Wow. Because she had that many people telling her she couldn't do, she couldn't play soccer. Yeah. So not only culturally, but also soccer wise, mm-hmm. very big difference. And, and not only that, but you know, girls in, in Afghanistan, the ones who would be even seen playing soccer would get called names or get stuff thrown at them, like physically, like this is true. And you've um, seen that? I personally haven't seen it. It's all, you know, reports. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. but other people have because of that our camps were very much like as much education as possible and starting with the basics and kind of just building like how much can we just build the foundations in this short time frame and it was just so amazing because it's truly a, an a, te- a testament to every every player involved in that team the ones who had more experience helping the others who don't. And then those who don't have as much experience truly working very hard Mm -hmm. to become a whole new player in 10 days. It was just, it's constant, you know, it was constant work, but also because of the staff and everyone with the same goal and everyone putting their whole heart and soul into it. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, it was a challenge, but it was great. It was fun. And, you know, obviously it's a country where women there have and are still truthfully still dealing with oppression, um, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to religion. But it just sounds like the team was so much more than the sport. In what ways did that experience maybe change you as a person or your outlook on life? Oh, I mean, I don't know why, but maybe it's also because my family, my parents, you know, coming from El Paso and moving to Dallas, it, it, the, the, that's very different worlds, um, especially the environment that I grew up in, very different world than uh, what a lot of my family probably most, yeah, like grew up with. Like my dad tells me about how his first weight set, because my grandfather was a carpenter, 
his first weight set was coffee cans with concrete poured in and, and rebar, you know, attached mm-hmm. to the center. Yeah. Um, and then coming from pri- like primarily a Spanish speaking environment to Dallas, Texas, which I really didn't grow up with uh, non-English speaking people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always been something about me that has gravitated towards, like, a, like I've said this whole time, you know, helping others with less. So it was just almost like just a natural progression that I'm really happy to have been involved with. And has it truly changed what I have always kind of felt? No. Mm -hmm. Has it fueled the fire to keep doing and getting involved with things like that? Yes. Yeah. I've always said not always, it's not like I'm like 80 years old or anything, but like, I've always said, no, but like something I've just always really respected. And again, it's a test, it's a testament to my parents is that they treat everybody the same, mm-hmm. whether you're, you know, the person picking up the trash, the person serving at a restaurant or the person in a suit in a CEO office. That's more so for me, I feel like the people that aren't in the top positions are really the ones that make the world go around. And I think the pandemic showed that. And given your nature to want to help others with very little resources for the team, how did you manage to provide care? I mean, did you get donations from other countries? What was Uh, it like? Really from anybody. Like (laughs) I remember one time we were, like I said, in Houston raising money and I'm pretty sure Kalita just got up there and said, give us your money. But (laughs) she has this way about her where she's so emotional. And so just like, you just get sucked into her because again, her stories and her life and her passion. And you're just like enthralled in what she's saying that she literally said, give me your money. And everyone's like, okay, you know? And so like, I think I even looked over at Haley and just like, I can't believe she just said that, but it's worked. Like it's working. Other question that I want to ask just about your camp experience while you were there and when you weren't in camp, how did you fill your free time? Did you explore any new cities, taste some oh, yeah. food? Don't have a ton of free personal time, but whenever you do, yeah, absolutely. I, and that's like what I said before, I'm known as a bit of a nomad because I love to just go out and explore new cultures, explore new areas, even if it's mm-hmm. in my own neighborhood, get to know new people, eat, yeah. eat different foods, you know, except when I was in some of the countries, I didn't have time to get sick. So I probably didn't veer that much <laughs> on some of the food. You know, I would have mm-hmm. liked it. What's been your favorite city to travel oh, to? Uh, or would, countries. I'm really partial to South America, like anything South of the border, but I'll give you a few of my favorites. One, which is not South, of, not South America, uh, Bali. Bali's amazing. Bali was probably life-changing and not probably it was life-changing for me. How come? Really just learning about the meditation aspect and just being in a place like Bali where it's just like a spiritual Mecca, Uh you just feel it, you know? (laughs) And it was, yeah, it was definitely life-changing. I got to meet, I got to make some lifelong friends there and uh, it was great. Uh, Buenos Aires, love that city. Um, Mexico City, amazing. Uh Uh-huh. And then probably Colombia, but also I'd have to throw in Peru. I lived in Peru for a summer between my junior and senior year of college. 
and that experience is what really made me take flight into traveling. So what so, did you experience in Peru? I was supposed to go to Peru to volunteer at a like at a program for women and children uh, that have domestic domestic abuse. And the people that I lived with, I lived with a family who couldn't, I mean, after that summer, they became my family. And okay. that, that's probably some, that's part of it too, is that throughout all my travels, I think that generally people are good and yeah, you got some bad eggs in there that are going to ruin it for the rest. But for the most part, people are good. Yeah. And if they see you in trouble, most of the time they're going to help you out. And experiencing that warmth and love from people who didn't know me yeah. from day one to then becoming part of their family. I just yeah. fell in love with it. That's cool. I know that there are PTs that have aspirations of working in a sports setting or yeah. even just maybe being in an outpatient clinic treating athletes. So yeah. um, after you graduated PT school, you went on to complete a sports residency. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your transition. What was it like? For me, it just made everything worth it. It made sense. Um, again, I knew that I wanted to specialize in sports and specialize in soccer and women's soccer. So the next step was potentially a residency. But you know, it's funny is that at the time when I was graduating PT school, there was only 10 sports residencies in the country. And now there's there's a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And so very, very tough, very tough to get accepted because most residencies only took like two PT students. Mm -hmm. And I have never been one to be at the top, top of my class. I'm a hard worker and by no means was I at the very bottom, which I, once you're in PT school, honestly, it doesn't matter where you sit, it, like your GPA, that sort of thing. It's, it's just tough all around. Right. So I don't, I don't want anybody to think that you can't do what you want, because I guess that's what I'm saying is that I was not the top of my class. What I did was I kind of, I looked at what are things that I could do to separate myself. So I, I during PT school, I did a lot of things that I could attach to my resume besides just academics, purely academics, but I really didn't know if I would get into one. And I was all about applying to all of them. And I decided, you know what? I, I don't, I don't, if I were to go somewhere, I'd rather go closer to home and um, a classmate who he actually was number one in the class. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought this was very nice of him because one day he came up to me, he's like, Hey, you have an interest in sports residency, right? And I said, yeah. He said, you know, there's one in uh, Fort Worth. And I, I said, Whoa, seriously. And he's like, yeah. And I always really appreciate that about him because again, like I wasn't in like the top top. So I really respected that from him to say, Hey, give it a shot. You never yeah. know. And so I did. And I think all the stars just kind of aligned and I got an interview and you know, I was able to, I guess, perform well in that interview Mm -hmm. and I got a spot in the sports residency and I'm so glad I did it. And you said that you did things outside of just your schoolwork to set Mm -hmm. yourself apart. What were some of those things that you got involved in? So again, because I knew that I wanted to really go into the sports world and be 
be a value on the sideline because at the time PT school didn't really teach sports medicine. It was maybe like one elective if you wanted it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, how am I going to, how am I just going to learn? And especially on the actual sideline, how can I do that? Well, I'm going to reach out to athletic trainers. Um, I'm going to reach out to coaches that I know. I'm going to reach out to anybody that works in soccer and see what I can do. (laughs) You know what I mean? I don't care if I was wiping the floors of a facility. Like, how could I just be involved in that environment? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I did. Volunteered in everything and anything and just made connections that way. Yeah. Now you said you enjoyed your experience, but from personal experience, I know that transition for me from a new grad to a residency was like an eye-opening experience. What was some of your challenging moments throughout your residency and really just being a new grad, graduating yeah. PT school? You have this one year, whether it be 12, 16, 18 months, whatever it is, you have this one set of time that it is fast and furious and so time-consuming and you make zero money, Mm -hmm. but if that's what you want to do, you need to put everything you have into that because you really have no time for anything else. Yeah. And and sometimes it's hard too, like just trying to get people to understand, like, I don't have time to go out on the weekend sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. But I, 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 I kind of went into it knowing that I'm moving home. So I don't have to stress about a living situation. Mm -hmm. I just commuted 45 to an hour every day, but still that was cheaper than paying rent. Yeah. Uh, So I didn't have that stress. And also I just knew that this is going to be an insanely hectic year and it's all I'm going to be focused on. And I'm going to take again, every opportunity that comes with it and just take it for all it's worth because I'm never going to get this chance again to just mm-hmm. devote everything I can to learning and getting better at the sports world. Again, don't think just because you do a sports residency, you're going to get a job with the pro team, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so many ways to go about things, but if it's something you want to do, just like, just like PT school, if you don't have to be the smartest or you don't, you know, it's more about the will and the drive mm-hmm. and knowing that you're going to have to make sacrifices, but if that's okay with you, it's worth it. Even, and so. even if it's not okay with you, that's okay too, because you just have to figure out what's what you want, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's good. So lastly, I know you live such a fast paced life. So what is something you have to remind yourself daily when it comes to making sure that you're taking care of you? Mm -hmm. I have to make sure that I stick with some sort of morning or night routine. I have to, um, I notice I've got, and and really a lot of that came from Bali. Um, I met an amazing, uh, counselor in Bali who I then stayed doing sessions with via zoom. Mm -hmm. And I'm a huge proponent for, destigmatizing, you know, therapy and stuff like that. Like, honestly, I think everybody needs it (laughs) and learning techniques and really coping mechanisms for my own well-being. Because I mean, you know, every, we become actual psychologists. We become actual therapists, mental therapists for people. We spend the most time 
with people besides like some strength and conditioning people. We put our, we put so many people before us because that's our job. You know, we have to take care of people, yeah. but you got to take care of yourself. That's right. You're going to burn out quick. It's already a hectic lifestyle, let alone the stress, the, the personal stresses, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've gotten, I get really into journaling, um, meditating, praying, yeah. reading, yeah. reading a ton. And that's also what's probably gotten me more involved in studying like emotional intelligence and things like that. Yeah. Um, cool. And understanding the actual emotional science behind working with people and how it actually affects performance, you know? Thank you for all that you do really to empower women, especially women in sports medicine to really pursue whatever they want in life. Pleasure meeting with you yeah. and we will, we will talk soon. Yeah, reach out anytime. Thanks for listening to Medical Experts in Football with Joelle Murrow. Be sure to download and like and give me feedback. And follow on Instagram, Physical Therapy for Athletes, for updates on future episodes.